This is an AMI podcast. People like to invent monsters and monstrosities. Then they seem less monstrous themselves. Welcome to AMI Audio Book Review on AMI Audio. I'm your host, Ramia Amuddin, here with Nasreen Abdel Majid. And the quote that you heard from the top of today's episode is from The Last Wish. And this is from The Witcher Saga. You may be familiar, you may not. Uh, it's written by the Polish author Andrzej Sapkowski. And this is an interesting twist. I thought that this month we could start off each show with a quote from a well-known fantasy series, you know, just because you might be thinking, hey, I want to try something new. And that genre is fantasy for me this month. So we're giving you the scoop. So The Witcher is a collection of fantasy novels and short stories following a monster hunter and slayer named Geralt of Rivia. And there are a lot of different ways that The Witcher has gotten popular. There are the books, right? Like this quote is from an actual book. And then there are numerous video game adaptations that got really huge. And now there's a series on Netflix season two just dropped. And that is just um, blasting off like totally huge. Nazreen, fan of The Witcher or know of or heard of or cared to think about? I've heard of. I care to think about. Uh, no, it sounds good. It, it honestly sounds like something I would hop on. I like it. Yeah. It's different. Totally a huge fan. And it's not just me. A lot of people are fans um, of the the TV show, the series. But what's cool is on Kelly and Company on AMI-audio, when we started off our book club, one of the first books we read uh, was from the Witcher series. And I believe it was the first book of the Witcher series as well, uh, or the Witcher collections. And Matt Agnew, who suggested those books to us, will be appearing on the show today. So seeing it all comes full circle if you just trust the process. <laughs> now, let's find out about the featured titles on the CELA homepage. We like to kick off each episode with this as well. CELALibrary.ca is where to go for this information and for any other uh, book talk that you want to take part in with CELA members. So the CELA feature titles for this week are Our Darkest Night by Jennifer Robson, and this is a multicultural fiction uh, category. We also have Their Plant Eyes by M. Leona Godin, and this is about, uh, or it's uh, categorized as blindness and visual impairment. And the final book from the featured book's titles are Danger in Numbers by Heather Graham, and this is Suspense and Thriller. I feel like uh, all the time, no matter how much they update the feature titles book, they always leave in one Suspense and Thriller. And of course, no questions asked there. It's a really popular genre these days. Really awesome. Now, Nizreen, on to you about what's trending this week. Yeah, so audiobooks.com tweeted out this week's hottest releases, starting off with To Paradise by Hanya Yani Gahara. The Horsewoman by Mike Lupica, All I Want by Darcy Bell, A uh, Flicker in the Dark by Stacey Willingham, and the fifth top hottest release this week is Nothing to Hide by Elizabeth George. Now, Remia, I just started listening to a new book, okay? And oh, okay. you must be so proud. It's not fantasy, yes, I am. no. It's not, it's not part <laughs> of this theme today, but... 
atomic habits an easy and proven way to build good habits and break bad ones by james clear i heard so many good things about this book and there's a line in the book that hit me quote uh success is the product of daily habits not once in a lifetime transformations end quote so i've heard of this before where like tiny habits such as making your bed every morning and Tiny habits like those motivates you and and developing small habits like this lead to success. And I see how that process is. As you said, trust the process. Goals Mm -hmm. are about the results you want to achieve. So tiny habits can turn into remarkable results if you're willing to stick with them for years. So yes, I just started the book, but I'm learning so much and it's it's such a powerful one. There's so many positive reviews on this book. So I'm 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 excited. Yeah, I love this book. I got through it pretty quickly um, and learned a lot. And, you know, there are a lot of self-development stuff out there right now, Nizreen. So Mm -hmm. sometimes we can feel like, okay, wait, but this contradicts that. And that contradicts the other thing I learned the other day. And wait, should I add this on top of what I learned or just scratch everything and start from scratch? So there's um, tons and tons and tons out there. But if you just take it not necessarily with a grain of salt, but, you know, with the attitude of let's just see what I can take out of this book. Um, I find that that's my way of of reading these kind of books. And Atomic Habits, there's a lot to offer in terms of how our brain deals with our daily functions, you know, how our brain is actually processing mm-hmm. the way we eat or the decisions that we're making without even really thinking about it. Um, and there's everything from, like, eating and quitting different things to starting new habits to learning uh, habit stacking, which is so important, but we don't even really recognize all the time. Um, so I'm I'm glad you just got into it. Yeah, I just got into it. I'm on like the first couple of chapters, but it's, it's so powerful. It's so motivating. And as you said, it's all about the will. Like you have to be willing to take that extra step in your life that You know, they're tiny, such as telling yourself that you're going to drink six bottles of water today. Right. Like, yep. They're small habits that are frustrating and they're not motivating as much, but trying to take that extra step in your life, making your bed every morning, which I've been doing for the past few months. Uh, Actually, ever since we started working from home, I've been trying to do that. And it's, yeah. I do that for, you know, being on TV because my the camera's like <laughs> your right in front of my up. bed. Oh. <laughs> so just developing that Good small reason habit, as any. I've been doing that on the weekend too. And it it just became a good habit of mine, which I like because it's a good feeling that I it's it's hard to explain. But um yeah. setting those small goals uh, really motivates you. So yeah. Exactly. And you'll learn tips such as that one so many more in this book i'm very excited for you so keep us posted eh keep us posted on the progress i'm ramia amadin here with nizreen abdel majid and nizreen let's get into a pause or play because there are some new fresh titles up on the sila library homepage, celalibrary.ca and we gave you like a, a snapshot of what they are, but we want to get into one of them and see if you and I would press pause or play. This one is Our Darkest Night by Jennifer Robson, and it's a multicultural fiction category. It's the autumn of 1943, and life is becoming increasingly perilous for Italian Jews like the Mazin family, with Nazi Germany now occupying most of her 
beloved homeland and the threat of imprisonment and deportation growing ever more certain, Antonina Mazin has what but one hope to survive, to leave Venice and her beloved parents and hide in the countryside with a man who she's only just met. Nico Girardi was studying for the priest shift until circumstances forced him to leave the seminary to run his family's farm. Rather than to risk the a perilous escape into the mountains, Nina will pose as his new bride. And to keep her safe and protect secrets of his own, Nico and Nina must convince prying eyes that they're happily married and in love. Above all this, a local Nazi official who's also a neighbor has a vendetta against Nico. The more he learns of Nina, the more his suspicions grow, and with that, his determination to exact revenge. This is a story of terror, hope, love, and sacrifice inspired by true events that vividly evokes the most perilous days of World War II. And that's it for the synopsis. I'll go around the table right now. Nizreen, pause or play on this book? I would say play. I would put play. Okay. Okay. Now, this one is um, a, a bit... A lot of it's taking a lot of history, so I'm curious about how much of that you guys are interested in. Mm-hmm. And Matt Agnew, special guest for today, what do you think? Pause or play on this one? You know what? I think I want to say play, but realistically, I'm I'm hitting pause. I I don't know about you guys, but I feel the World War Two, I, I don't know era, whether it's you know fiction or or nonfiction, I feel it's really oversaturated. I, I think I've taken in a lot mm. of those kind of stories over the years. Um, and, uh, I, I don't know. I think the characters sound interesting, but I'm not really sure if it's one I would get through. Mm, okay. Yeah. I'm going to say similar to you, Matt. I just don't think I would press play on this, but it really, it's not about anything to do with the book. I just think at the mode I'm at right now, um, we've done a lot of heavy reading throughout 2021. Uh, we're talking about a lot of heavy things in our current circumstances and, and current issues, challenges, however you you phrase everything that we're going through. Um, so for me right now, this is just a little too much on the serious side for, for how I'm feeling right now. But that's our take on Our Darkest Night by Jennifer Robson. Uh, and if you want to press play anyway, then go ahead and check it out. Feature title on celalibrary.ca. Now we're going to switch gears and check in with our guest, an avid audiobook listener. We're opening up the space to review, discuss, recommend, browse, conceptualize, and reminisce on audiobooks. And Matt Agnew, who we welcome in, is a technical producer here at AMI-audio. And namely, you're the technical producer on Kelly and Company. So welcome to AMI-audio book review, a whole different space. Hey, guys. So fun to be here. Thanks for having me on. Well, I'm excited to talk audiobooks with you because um, we talk a lot of audiobook stuff off air, and now we're bringing it back up here. So firstly, for anyone who has no clue how much audiobooks you listen to, let's get to know your listening habits a little. Um, It's a simple A or B scenario. Are you A, a pile-em-on type of person, so we toss you the recommendations and you'll hear them all, or B, you're beyond help and broke, you're listening to everything, sleep, eat, breathe audiobooks. I, w- I would say the, the second one, sleep, eat, breathe, audiobooks, uh, in particular sleep. I am Almost shocked. every single night I'm falling asleep with, <laughs> with an audiobook on and uh, often having to go back to hear what I missed after I fell asleep. So I am someone who, like, I've, I've literally bought 
uh, books before just because it was like a, you know, special credit deal. And I was able to get like 40 plus hours of entertainment for one credit. Oh my gosh. Wow. You're you're um, hopping on the back of Michael Fair and his uh, audiobooks are listening, and Ryan Huey, both contributors on Kelly and Company. Oh, I'm, but they're in the big leagues. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. You're like the Audible badges. There are. They, have they finished counting your um, hours for 2021 yet? Colla- oh, calibrating? I don't have. I don't have my total for the year, but I could give you my total total. Oh, okay. What is it? Okay, my total all time Audible listening. It's three months, six days, seven hours, and 45 minutes. Stop Oof. this. <laughs> Quarter of a year of audio. <laughs> That's actually pretty epic. Okay, now I'm curious about what other people... Um, I'm so impressed. habits are like. I know. Get on we it, girl. It's, speeding it up is the way to go. I'm telling you, you get through so much. <laughs> but... But Matt, do you only listen to human narrated? Because we know Audible is very high quality audio produced and you're, you know, our uh, audio technical guy. So you love that. But is that the only way you can take in an audiobook? Uh, yeah, I can't say I've ever listened to like synthesized uh, voice mm-hmm. audio. I, I don't think I could either. I think for me, the narrator really makes or breaks it. Um, and there have been series where I love the book so much. I have pushed past the narrator, uh, for example, Ready Player One. And, oh, and yeah. I just do not like the, the narrator for that one. And every time I restart, because there's two books now, every time I restart the series, it takes me a good, I don't know, two hours to just forget the fact that that it's this narrator and, and I just can't deal with it. And, and so I will push past it for the sake of the books. I really do enjoy it. Um, but there have been other series where, uh, you know, I've just given up and I just can't do it and, and you know, refund my credit because uh, I can't get through the, the book with, the, you know, one particular narrator or another. Um, so, yeah, that, that is a big deal for me. So I'm, I'm not sure I ever would give a, a try at, at synthesized voice audio. So hold up, I got to ask you as a follow up to that then, because you were cited, you can uh, read print books. Do you not at that point just say, okay, I love the Ready Player One books. I'm just going <laughs> to read it print. You know, I, I have a very, very tiny print book library. I don't read mm. much anymore at all. For, for me, when I first got into audiobooks, it was because of the commute. Um, I, I had a pretty killer commute, um, you know, anywhere between two and three hours a day, depending on traffic. And uh, I just never found any podcast that really quite did it for me. So um, like wow. I said, I just get into those like long haul, you know, audiobooks, and I'd, I'd read on my commute. Um, and then I started, you know, just listening whenever I take the dog for a walk. So that was up to two hours a day. And uh, as well for me, I, I love listening to audiobooks in the woodshop as well. And, and I might be out there for uh, sometimes up to six hours, seven or eight hours at a time. So I really tear through books. But I, I find when I come in, when I'm done those things, um, I've got other stuff to do. And I don't really make a lot of time for, uh, you know, visual reading. There are mm-hmm. a couple ones that I would do. And I, I really like the e-readers. I, I have a Kobo. Um, the best part about the Kobo is that you can read it sleeping on your side. And you don't have to turn <laughs> oh. the pages. Yeah. That is actually beneficial. Okay, but yeah. uh, but I I only have a handful of books on there. Um, I I really do most of my reading uh, with audiobooks. Wow. Well, we, I, it sounds like a serious convert to me, but that's awesome. So, um, I when I came to AMI like 
four-ish years ago, I think reaching five, uh, you were already well into listening to audiobooks. So did you start a really long time ago? Uh, yeah, well, like I mentioned, I, I think it was probably um, when when I first uh, got the job at AMI because um, the, the commute was uh, quite long for me. So um, yeah, I, I think it was about, yeah, that five, six years ago, um, you know, driving up the 404 every day and uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, so I've, I've been listening for, for quite a long time. Nice, nice. Okay, well, this is great. And now you're at the point where you want to um, give us a recommendation. As I was saying to our listeners earlier, I'm doing uh, fantasy book quotes and not just any fantasy, but, you know, well-known fantasy series. Uh, this is something that I'm pretty recent to as well, fantasy realms and taking on fantasy reads. And you have a recommendation just straight into this whole thing. Uh, and I started reading it, but it is long as heck. So first, <laughs> first tell us the name of your recommendation and the author. I, I tell you, I like the long hauls from you. Um, this <laughs> right? one's called The Name of the Wind by Patrick Rothfuss. On audiobook, I think it clocks in around 35 hours or so at uh, 1x speed. Oh my God, I thought it was shorter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, it's really quite quite long. Uh, and and the second the second book in the series is is longer, but yeah, the name of the wind by Patrick Rothfuss, um, and it, it's just kind of it's a story about a boy named Quoth, and uh, he he kind of starts out in his childhood um, in a troop of kind of traveling players, and then um, as you go through the story, uh, you know you come to know him as a notorious magician and a thief and a musician and an assassin eventually. So. Um, it's, it's quite an interesting story. And, uh, one of the things I love the most about it is that it's just a really rich world. Like the, the world building in this novel is really expansive. Um, but I also find the writing is very immersive. So you almost don't really notice it. Like, I don't know if you ever find authors, sometimes they just go too deep. You know, there's, they're trying to introduce new gods, new magic, you know, oh, nations, yeah. sometimes even currencies. Um, or languages, you know, things like that. And uh, they just spend chapters and chapters just trying to explain it. But for me, Name of the Wind is just really immersive. And you, you just kind of, you pick up a lot of these things without feeling like you're being, you know, taught by the by the author. So I really enjoy that about it. But really, the, the more times you read it, the more details you uncover. It's, it's just one of those kind of worlds, um, you know, like Star Wars or The Witcher, that it really allows room for, you know, fan theories and headcanon and, and stuff like that. Mm. And so the more you read it, and I've, I've read it, I think, at least three times now. Um, and I have, I have this book on paperback, uh, audiobook, and Kobo. <laughs> so uh, I've taken it in uh, more than a few times. Okay, so uh, this one, 35 hours plus, and I mean, I don't know how unreal that is for, for people who listen to any kind of fantasy books because uh, the Harry Potter series takes forever too. Um, but now that you're on the third, fourth time going over it, is that something you can binge through or do you still take your time with it? You know, it, it is one of those ones now that I'm so familiar with, you know, when I, when I am like in the wood shop, I like to listen to stuff that's familiar to me because, you know, if, yeah. if I kind of tune out for a minute while I'm, you know, doing some kind of calculation or measurement, um, you know, I don't feel like I've missed a lot. Uh, but I, I find you, you kind of pick up those extra details that maybe you missed the first time while you were distracted or something like that. But yeah, there's always just more details. And, and when you've read both books a couple of times, you start to see, you know, how the author is really kind of tying things, uh, you know, really long threads going through both books, um, tying mm -hmm. it all together. And uh, yeah, just it just becomes, you know, richer and richer with every read through. Something else that I really like about it, too, is um, when I'm, you know, looking for fantasy novels, I really like ones that have interesting 
magic systems. You know, fantasy yes. novels differ a lot in, in terms of how the author approaches magic. Um, but in this one, it's, it's kind of a fusion of science and magic, which I hadn't, you know, really seen before. It's kind of two parts to it. One is, is called sympathy, and it's almost like a rule of magical physics uh, where the characters mm -hmm. can manipulate energy uh, with, with like willpower, but it's, it kind of, you know, formulas and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But then there's also naming, which is sort of the true magic of the world where, um, knowing a thing's real name gives you like a power over it, which is, which is cool. So, uh, I really enjoyed the magic system in this one as well. The, the and story both of those I find... concepts too. I was just going to say both of those concepts are introduced pretty early. Like you're, you're kind of understanding, okay, this is sympathy. This is, uh, naming, but you don't really see it in full uh, perception, I guess, until you get to those uh, nitty gritty parts of the book, which is part of the the interesting part of it. Like you said, the, everything is introduced to you in a kind of way you can pick it up and keep going. Um, but there's a lot of development to each of these things, which continues as the the book um, goes. Yeah, yeah, it goes back to the you know the immersive writing and, and world building, so you don't really mm -hmm. feel like you're being you know uh, taught too much but um but it is really really detailed so yeah so i really enjoyed that about it as well the story is um it's a little bit meta in that the main character quoth he's he's sitting in a tavern through the whole series orating his life story to this this chronicler character um and you go on these like incredible long journeys with with the character you know through through his story but it's it's broken up a little bit with these interludes where you remember oh yeah, yeah like this isn't even like the actual main story <laughs> And it kind of keeps you guessing as to where it's all going to lead in, in the kind of current timeline, right? Does the author continue that in book two? Uh, yep, yeah, it continues in, okay. in book two. And um, so this kind of goes to my last point. If, uh, if I've got you hooked, I, I have to apologize um, because it is a trilogy. Name of the Wind was published in 2007. It's not new. Um, it's just kind of new to me. Uh, Wise Man's Fear is the second book in the series, and that was in 2011. And here in 2021, uh, 2022, excuse me, uh, we're still waiting on the conclusion to the series. So, wow. um, you know, Google keeps teasing me with clickbait articles on when it's going to come out. I've seen a few <laughs> interview excerpts and social media posts from the author, Pat, uh, who swears he's working on it. And uh, yeah, it, sure. it is apparently in edits. Um, and I've actually seen a lot of interesting, you know, you know, online exchanges with a lot of authors who have backed Pat up with the with the fan base. Uh, you know, just saying stuff like it's such a detailed work uh, takes a lot of, of time to tie up those loose ends in a satisfying way. But um, I, I'm yeah. just curious because, you know, uh, George R. R. Martin is sort of another example of an author whose fans maybe feel a little abandoned after the whole Game of Thrones run. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious if, if you guys think, do do authors owe something to the fans? Like if they've started something like a trilogy and they're two books in and it's an amazing work, you feel like they Absolutely. owe something to the fans to to finish it no no it depends yeah i guess it depends on what, the way you look at owing right i think really? you know definitely please finish the third book like whatever it is whatever you end up um not satisfying us with or satisfying us with just finish the book because that's the one part that i found was very disappointing with the game of thrones it's that the book series completely got away from the tv show right the tv series and uh, at some point i think people just gave up. And I think that's sad. Now, if George R. R. Martin had finished the books and people were still disappointed with the ending, yeah, whatever, that's on you. But, <laughs> but Good point. It, he owed it to finish it. Okay? So that's that's my thought on it. 
Yeah, I, th I think that's a fair take. Um, for for me, I've I've seen a lot of posts people criticizing Patrick Rothfuss for you know uh -huh. having more than ten years go between you know the second book and the the end of the trilogy. But I think you know either way it goes, either it comes out someday and it's amazing and you know a really satisfying conclusion of the series that yeah. would be awesome, of course. Um, but on the other hand, like I said, it, it's one of those worlds that is is just really open ended anyway and allows you room to kind of you know imagine things for yourself and. And so oh. I'm I'm not necessarily unsatisfied with the way that the second book ended and just kind of imagining what I think, uh, you know, happened to the characters and, you know, how things wrapped up and yeah. that sort of thing. So, so yeah, I would yeah, highly, that's highly recommend Name of the Wind and, uh, and the sequel as well, Wise Man's Fear, for those of you that have a lot of time to kill. <laughs> <laughs> and more than that, maybe you'll uh, reach your three months of audible listening by the time you finish the series. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, thank you so much. We appreciate you coming on the show and your recommendation and just delving deep into it. So hope to have you back on the show sometime soon. But until then, happy audiobook listening. Thank you. You as well. Matt Agnew is one of the audio technical producers here at AMI-audio. And that's a wrap for today's episode of AMI-audio book review. We'll be back next week. And as I said to Matt, the rest of you as well, happy audiobook listening. This was an AMI podcast. For more accessible media, visit AMI.ca. The Walrus is Canada's conversation, and you're invited to take part. Download AMI's Voices of the Walrus, where professional narrators read selected articles from the magazine. Available wherever you download your AMI podcasts.